for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And tonight we're going to pick up on the second half of the third season of NBC's This Is Us. This is going to be the 10th episode called The Last Seven Weeks. Yay! This Is Us is back. And it fits nicely into our real life calendar, which is uh, handy for feeling like it's, you know, really happening. They do a good job with that, right? Yeah. In in past seasons, um, like the one, say, last year where... Kevin had to go to rehab or something after the um the car thing. Mm-hmm. That was just sort of like sometime later and and this is definitely like spelled out. No, this is exactly what happened while they, in in the amount of time that you've been gone, viewer, this is what they've been doing. Do you think that it was effective to have that sort of like minutia of the timeline where it's like 7 weeks, 5 weeks, like a very 24-esque, like very like 21 hour, 23 mm-hmm. hour. Like what do you think about that? Necessary, not did it, did it make a difference in this i approve because it it gave it a nice little structure how it gave you the, like the 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 everyone looking at each other out of their side eye in the, in like the the opening scene like what's happening here people are crying everyone's upset everyone's giving bad looks to each other and so they went back and kind of explained it in stages and so yeah i i I highly approve of the of the telling it reverse structure. I thought that they were oddly specific with the with the times though because lots of times they give us the the backwards timeline but the way that they were like seven weeks dun, dun, five weeks like I thought that was like oddly specific you know it, it didn't matter for it didn't Kate. Which well no it didn't matter for Kate so much but it kind of mattered for the brothers in that um, like little markers, little milestones, like how much time passed really matters for things like how long Kevin is waiting on Veterans Affairs or how long Zoe leaves her shit in boxes. Okay. I'll give you that very much, very much so. So if you guys have listened to podcasts of ours before, we try not to go exactly chronologically in an episode, but instead try to pick key characters and moments and talk about them. So we're going to start off with Kate this time and talk about her seven weeks. OM G, as a person who has been in a long-term relationship with a collector of Star Wars memorabilia, this was particularly painful to watch the obtuse nature in which she treated Toby's toys. Paul, as a collector, can you try to explain to our audience how freaking painful this would have been? Well, first, she kicks off things with just going i mean he only has like a small vertical shelf in that extra room where he's got what appear to be collectible toys including the star wars toys which let me just fill you in listener please please those may not be real ones but what they're trying to represent there when he said 1977 is that um in 1977, when Star Wars came out, there was a, a mismatch, I guess, in what Kenner believed the demand was going to be for these toys. And so they didn't have them ready. And they didn't have them ready for Christmas. And so what they did have was 
a something you could go into the store and buy that was like a stand-in for a complete set of Star Wars first run toys, right? That was like a cardboard thing that you would mail in with your little name on it that you filled out in, in Bic Pen or whatever, and then they would send you back all the toys when they were ready to go. Wow. And so if those are these toys, then she really fucked something up. And the fact that Toby is just not like going ape shit is um, phenomenal, really. I mean, do you call bullshit on that? Like, would most men like be like kicking the dog? Yeah. Like, I've got, I need some air kind of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> like an oxygen mask, CPAP machine, forced air in the nostrils. And it's impossible that she wouldn't know some of the bullshit that I just told you if if it's the if that's the set. You know what I mean? He would have said, oh, those he wouldn't just like put those in a box marked DNS. I mean Which I knew instantly meant do not sell. So like there was no confusion that that's the initials for donations. Those should have been in a box in his closet or something like Keep. Like you I, would write the word "keep" on it. I I don't trust you with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I mean, if she, if we've gone together this long and you don't know that this shit means something to me, and you can just kind of cavalierly come in and say, "Sell your toys, bitch," and and oh. and, and, and that just happens, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess you don't really understand a facet of of my being, so I've got to do what I can to protect that part of me. Or else you'll just destroy it. And she did. So she's an insensitive bitch. Whoa. And she doesn't deserve Toby. Paul Daly, that was wicked strong. Well, I will just let you guys know. If, if you ever see an action figure in an adult man's world, just assume it means something to him. Okay? It really doesn't matter that Yeah, it was- don't assume that he's like an infantile... <laughs> Man child who just who right. just is gonna go home and play with you, his GI Joe. You may not that day. recognize an Ewok from a Wookiee, okay? You should educate yourself. But if even if you can't identify, is this Boba Fett? Is this Django Fett? You know what? It's it, it's a moot point, girls. It's moot. Okay, he kept it. He's displaying it. This matters, and I feel like Kate. Come on. I don't feel like she would not know. However, this is what happens. This is what goes down. So she sells the guys. They managed to track down the buyer. Were you thinking that the sweet talk was going to work with Gabe or did you feel like no? No. Millennial douche uh, with priceless toys. No. Sorry. I don't care. I mean, in another universe, Toby, remember, is a is a large, angry man well, in, in other cases. Well, I was thinking a little bit that things might get a little physical. like, And, and I didn't want to think Toby would go like, you know, like rampage, but at least like slap the cup out of his hand or, you know, I don't know, do something. I mean, come on. Gabe is, is, is lighter like, than me. I know. He's like 80 pounds soaking wet. One menacing step in his direction from Toby probably would have been at least half of the ball game. You know what I mean? I would have thought there would have been some money amount or some amount of intimidation that could have gotten. I'm just saying for my own self and like, I'm not saying I'm like a sorcerer, but I mean, I am saying that I feel like they really didn't try everything they could have to get it back from Gabe. Her story was as heartstring pulling as and truthful as as yes, she could generate. But there was no tears. 
There, he was you at know, a frat party with with a solo cup in his hand. He wasn't he wasn't <laughs> going to be moved to tears. I still feel there's something that they could have done, and I'm not saying tears would have been the right way to go. I'm just saying like that just just they didn't find the angle. They didn't find Gabe's currency. Yeah, and well, that was a huge. Bummer. You know what is everyone's currency? Ass beating. <laughs> oh my god! Well, Gabe, everyone trades in that. Abe may uh, may still have that karma coming to him because he didn't give it back. Do you approve of how Kate tried to fix the situation by purchasing a bunch of eBay guys? Those thought counts kind of things, I, I guess. I mean, even the ones she got likely had some expense attached to them. So, I mean, there's the thought that counts kind of factor. Can you tell how sad he's getting you guys? Like he's like going down, down, down. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a bittersweet sort of thing. Like I've done that exact thing oh, with my Star me. Wars. Guys. I just want to be clear. Was, I didn't have like it was not me. I didn't have the exact right, um, the exact same collectible Star Wars guys as Toby, but I did have some, and I did hand them down. And it was, it wasn't like my son picked them up and was like. Oh, yes. Thank God for this. It was just more like put them in with the rest, you know? So it was sort of like, mm, not, not exactly what you had in mind. Did you feel like that the whole equating the idea that Toby was going to have nothing to hand down and then explaining how she has nothing to hand down to her kids? Like the, the most interesting thing to me is that I, I guess I have things I could hand down to the kids, but like it never occurred to me. It never occurred to me. Like I was never thinking, I mean, I have Cabbage Patch kids. I, it's, they're my memories, but it did never occur to me ever to like give them my toys and expect that they were going to be excited about them. So I kind of am interested, like audience, if, is that something that you guys did? I mean, I know there's traditions like, uh, christening dresses and or even maybe a wedding dress or something like that but i don't know that i feel that it's like this universal truth that people keep their toys to give to their children i, I don't know that that was exactly a thing it's a good argument if you are dealing with people with souls right so if maybe she'd sold it to a girl or someone older. Whoa, only girls have souls? Well, Tell me at more. that age, yes. I mean, you're talking to a college douche, right? <laughs> and you're appealing to him on this idea that that handing things down to children. This guy is not thinking about children. Children are like the last thing he wants in his no, that's mind. that's exactly what he doesn't want to end up with. Right. So thinking about handing stuff down to no, but I'm asking you're, you straight up. Like, it won't work. So you really thought about like, I'm keeping this. I never thought you were keeping those toys because you wanted to hand them down to your son and you wanted to make it a big deal. I thought it was just you thought they were worth something and they were sentimental to you. And so that's why you kept them. I mean, surely you were not like a 12 year old boy thinking, I can't wait till I have a 12 year old boy. It, it morphed. Play. It morphed like from I don't want to throw these out just yet to these are worth something to, well, I have a son now. And he seems to like Star Wars. So so it, it, it wasn't as planned out as, as the Tobster, I would say. But it was there at some point. Intrigue. Hmm. I don't know if I'm a weirdo in that. I just didn't have anything that I was like, I can't wait, Catalina Clementine, to pass you on. That was my Cabbage Patch kid. I did never think that was a thing. 
Or Jimmy, the bald preemie I also had. <gasps> I had a preemie doll, Paul. Yeah. I also gave birth to two preemies. What the hell? Jimmy the Herald. <laughs> preemie. I love Jimmy and I love my real life preemie. So it all worked out in the end. The best part, you know what? Here's the funniest thing, Paul. The thing that I most enjoyed about keeping from my childhood was the Cabbage Patch Kid clothes because we have dressed several puppies we've had in that corduroy blue jacket, the sports jacket that Perfect Jimmy fit. used to wear. Oh my God, y'all. I cannot tell you. This like red and white gingham button down. It looks adorable on a chihuahua <laughs> and I fucking love it. So yeah, I guess maybe I was looking forward to dressing something in that. It just wasn't my children. It was my pooches. And I did. So wonderful. Now, Toby turns this whole thing around and unveils this three rivers stadium that he had a doll maker build. What do you think? As I said, she doesn't deserve him. Um, that was like a, a you're making the rest of us look bad kind of move for Toby. I mean, it was it definitely a grand gesture? A big one. Uh, yeah, with the with the with her Star Wars guys on the inside and mm. all that, just and they yeah. put the tomato in there. Oh Jesus! Yeah, he nailed it. Oh God, that was awesome. So I loved, I loved all that. I thought that this was a cute, very easygoing storyline for the two of them. A good way to sort of ease into where they are. Clearly, nesting, making the the nursery and everything. I thought that it was, it was good, but it felt very, very soft, right? Very, very like a lob to us, if you will, to get us kind of into the storylines, right? But things kind of heat up with Kevin. We've got a little more intensity with what's going on in the Kevin and. Zoe's storyline. Right. The little preview nugget is that they seem to be having a tough time at election headquarters. Skids, man. They're on the skids. And there's like a key return. Mm. So then we got to back all the way up to when they get home from Vietnam. And we find out all this business about how they need to get some information from Veterans Affairs. And that's how they're going to really figure out this Nikki story. Now, I feel like this is one of those times when we have to just ignore some of the facts and not really question a lot of things. So, for instance, the places that they all live aren't actually this close. So, like Philly, where Kevin is visiting, you know, for campaign headquarters versus where he and Zoe live versus where the congressman is. All these things are not like right next door to one another. You know, New mm -hmm. Jersey's where Randall is. It's all a little sketcheroony and then also while i adored and i mean adored the scene with the game of thrones whiz yeah. at the uh, veterans affairs office i thought that the entire idea that somehow a congressman would be able to write some sort of letter that would prove to someone that you were next of kin and therefore should have someone's private records I really don't think congressmen have the ability to overturn HIPAA and any privacy laws. Like, I don't think congressmen necessarily have that power. But we're not specialists it on veterans affairs. Weird. It might be. I mean, it's... I'm with you. I said I'm not going to delve. I'm not deep diving that. It's just seemed a little weird. But so bees. If a note from the from a congressman can get you into the Naval Academy, it kind of seems to make sense. I guess I'm, you're right. That end. seems weird to me too. I don't know what they have to do with it, but okay. 
So what did you think about that meetup with the congressman? Like, I chihuahua. Oh, my God. Uh, well, it seems like salty? Zoe. Representative Salty to the floor, please. Zoe might have wanted to do a little front loading. That's a, that's a term we have in special needs world about getting your kid ready for an experience that they're not ready for by talking them up, coaching them up, telling them all the things to expect. These are the things that Zoe could have done with both Kevin and the congressman because Kevin had no idea that, I mean, he knew that he was meeting an ex-boyfriend, but he didn't know he was meeting an ex-long-term boyfriend. And then congressman, I don't think, had any idea that Kevin was going to be there at all. Agreed. And don't you think it would have been a good idea to maybe heads up that this ended badly? Did Zoe really not realize it ended badly? Uh, Well... Yeah, Zoe doesn't seem to recognize that. Kevin probably has in the back of his mind that little caveat from Beth about, you know, the wreckage of of men that Zoe has left in her wake. So, or, you know, uh, something amounting to that anyway. So he, at, 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 at a certain point in this episode, and this is probably that point, he starts kind of giving her like the side eye, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yes. like uh, what are your motivations here? woman uh so this is when that kind of picks up and so she has to explain why the congressman put that extra stink on the word email oh my god i'll just send an email do you think that'll do it (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's talk about that for a second you're dating for two years are you allowed to break up in an email and or these days text uh you can if you're a piece of shit (laughs) nice i think that it's such crap i mean my god my God, Zoe, really? I mean, what happens? Don't I assume you have some some shit over like at the congressman's house, right? When you are you going to send this email like after you've collected your stuff, or what's the what's the story here? What's the worst way that you personally have either been broken up with or broken up with someone else, or even like a friend story? Like, do you have anybody? Like, what's the worst you ever heard? Hmm. Man. These days, I'm going to say like ghosting someone I feel like would be the worst case scenario for me. Like, I think that just like you're you're going with somebody for a while, you're dating or whatever. And I've seen this. I'm mostly just on like TV shows and stuff like that. Not really in the dating scene current, but the concept of like just not answering the person anymore. And that's like a thing. There was something else called like uh zombieing paul this is like a new one i know it's like where you go away like you ghost them right but then you pop up every once in a while so maybe like once every couple months you'll be like saw a funny thing that reminded me of you and then ghost back out and then you just like take off that's called zombieing apparently i have not heard of that one yeah that was i also saw that on a tv show so i i to me ghosting and not having any closure i would rather an email or a text or something that says like peace like this isn't happening anymore then just like is your phone dead are you dead what ah! like i would lose my mind that would be my worst case scenario how about you yeah i'll go with i'll go with the the ghosting also i would be the guy that would be you know the sh- sh- try to track down the other person not really take the hint and then you know it would get worse from there Real weird yeah <laughs> I feel like when we were younger, like, I think the worst shit you could do is, like, people doing it in public, right? 
like people like breaking up like in the cafeteria or like someplace where like the other person's like, what, Johnny? And there's like yelling and like anything like that. Like that would have been worse. Well, you had to ghost someone in person. So you You would would just duck them, right? Well, you duck them or or the more powerful move was to team up with another you know, love interest and parade that around. Ooh, yes. With sort of a like, like a haughty. Yeah. 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 No, I that that is also bad. Very bad. Yeah, but yeah. you had to do that in person. And yeah. Yes. So. That's that's like the opposite of ghosting. That's like a up in your face. What would that be? It's like uh, flaunting. Yeah, I have, we need like a creature name though because it's like ghosting. And zombie like peacocking, peacocking, not like peacocking. Yeah, okay. Peacocking is also bad. That's true. Peacockalish. You know who pulled that shit? Who? When Rizzo totally shows up with crater face. That's at right. the dance, peacocking around. Right. Like right. Totally. And, totally. And Kaniki's all like, you yeah, know, put off. Right? right. It's just like so so pissed. Yeah, I can see what's happening here. Kaniki, you monster. <laughs> Well, you know, he did show up with uh what's her name? The girl with the worst reputation, the the best dancer with the worst reputation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, did you as as I, I when you were in high school, when we were in high school, I don't remember keeping track of the local high school's best dancers. <laughs> That's amazing. You're right. You're right. I thought you were going to say I we didn't keep up with people's reputations. I was going to be like, "Eh, I don't know about that. I think we knew. But then when you say the best dancer, no, straight up, dog. There was no like giant American bandstand board where we were like, hey, this week, Connie's really rising up the ranks. Is that Denise? (laughs) I heard she's the best dancer. No, it's Connie. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Get with it. All right. So now we got to get back to Kevin and Zoe here. So I feel strongly, Paul, that Zoe is pregnant. I feel very strongly about this. I feel like that's where the ending of their story when she's like, this isn't going to last very much longer. I feel like that is because she's going to tell. And I feel like why that, why I even mentioned that is because the seven week business, like we know they just got back from Vietnam. We know they've been together for so long. Okay. Well, guess what? Eight weeks, 10 weeks. That's about the right time for a girl to be like, you know what? I think something's going on. Let me pipe up on behalf of my friend Inez, oh, do tell who uh, wrote in to give give us a another perspective on uh, Zoe's physical uh, reaction in in Vietnam. It was, if you recall, they had that outing where she had eaten what was it, snake, octopus, uh, something, something gross, right? Bat. It was bat, and then. She gets a stomach problem and she goes home and when and when um, Kevin comes and finds her, she's in the bathtub. Do you, re- do you recall all this? I do. Well, the additional context to that was that they had been talking about her dad and the um, terrible things that he had done to her when she was younger, prompting her to leave the home. Um, my friend uh, told me that People that do go through that sort of thing can manifest actual physical pain whenever they dwell on those events and the way it made them feel and the intense need for feeling protected and and um, 
even just kind of walled off from things that might hurt them would be the sort of thing that could drive a person feeling that way into a bathtub, not because they're a hot mess looking to barf and shit everywhere. It's because they need to feel um, safe. And so... um, I very much respect that point of view, and I really respect Inez for sharing that with us. Um, I think that that's amazing, and I agree with her that 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 makes a whole lot of sense to me when she explained it to us. I think that it really opened my eyes to that particular scene. I really do. Um, so in this string of events spread out by weeks, it does get back to um, the father stuff, right? The reason she won't unpack is because the the, the ripples of right. her father making her feel basically unsafe everywhere Uh, yeah and i think that that is incredibly fair i the reason why i feel like we're going towards the pregnancy stuff really has everything to do with the larger themes that we've dealt with in the the show stuff yeah i mean i'm talking more about the fact that like kevin has had stuff sort of fall into his lap even when he doesn't even want it so the idea that he would just accidentally fall into finding someone he loves because it's just Beth's cousin who he just happened upon and then accidentally uh, end up pregnant and so easily starting a family. Um, that's just in such a huge contrast to his twin who, you know, had to like look for love for so long um, while Kevin's had plenty of women come and go. And, and then also, you know, obviously the pregnancy and how difficult this has all been and the miscarriage and and just so many parts to this whole thing that for me, I just think that this theme has to play out like it has to. I just don't see it working any other way. That's where I'm at. So it so it's less about that bathroom scene and even her uncomfortableness about wanting to move into her place. I agree with you. I think you guys nailed it on the head. Um, that is the deal. It's obviously the father issues. But I just, I just, I've got this vibe that the the total contrast in their lives here of just how easily things come to one and how difficult it is for the other is just like it's too rich there, you know? And it just feels so right on, you know? So I loved the little extra little uh, zing about the John Stamos keys and the Uncle Jesse. Like, I love it. And I think that everyone should end an argument by saying, I want John Stamos back. <laughs> like, I think that that was adorable. Uh, and I think that that's like something that all This Is Us fans should put in their back pocket. And the next time you get in a fight with your loved one, I want you to be like, I want John Stamos back and just ride that out to make up sex people because that seems delicious. Maybe we should start selling John Stamos key fobs, <gasps> you know, for. Yeah. Uh, this is us fandom yes i love that dailyreview.com we will start selling john stamos key fobs and the deal is you keep it around and it is how you make up people this is the key literally the key (laughs) i love it i love it so let's see things go to shit about when the uh the paperwork actually shows up for Nikki. How'd you like the little continuation of the Superman Clark Kent uh, stuff? I like it. And it really made sense because if you think about it to us, it's been a very long time. But if you remember, they didn't get into that analogy of Superman and Clark Kent until right before Nikki was drafted. So that wasn't actually like this long running joke 
to that twosome, that was actually a very present, you know, current joke between them, you know, and even, you know, when Jack finds Nikki again and he's like, you're not really Superman, all that stuff, like it continued to play out. And the fact that he signed all his paperwork, Clark Kent and all that stuff and all the way down to the postcard with the CK. I mean, amazing. Now, a lot of people have asked on Twitter and I agree. If you were trying to figure out information about your long lost family members, wouldn't it be reasonable that at some point in time you might look in the boxes that you had from your father? And yeah, it seems like a very key place to start. Can I also have this line? How in one episode are you going to tell me that Kate has nothing, and I mean nothing, from the fire? Right? I'm given I'm given that I huge know where you're going. eyebrow. I'm given a huge eyebrow here. Nothing from the fire, and yet a box from Jack. Now, I'm going to give you an out and say- Well, and then Kevin has old pictures of Three Rivers Stadium. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the out that somehow, in some crazy twist of fate, I would say that the postcard and Nikki-related things could have been stored at the cabin. This would be reasonable- because Jack was trying to hide this from his family. So keeping it in the family home, maybe no. But you're dead on, Paul. There is no reason why a photograph from a birthday or what have you needs to be at the cabin. That's not a hidden piece of memorabilia. Why would it have ever been up there? This is a little bit murky for me. I'm not going to call bullshit, but I am going to say that's awfully convenient. If you're going to ride the story that the whole reason why everything has to go down with the Kate and Toby story is because there are no more memories yeah. from childhood, then, then you be can't no have Kevin's story also hinge on the fact that miraculously there's a box of memories. What the what? Your idea about, um, about the lake house makes sense. Also... This kind of stuff would have been sort of hard to notice without context, like, you know, last try, CK, um, which, by the way. I think to, he wrote this is the last one or something like that. Well, whatever it is. I mean, it, it, it conveys the idea that Nikki's trying to stay in touch and Jack is saying, I don't want to stay in touch. That's what I got out of last one, last try, whatever. That's it's a, that's an interesting concept. I I don't I don't know. That's exactly what I read into it. Um, I'm not sure. You're you're right though. That that is an interesting concept, and I think that perhaps also. I mean, we saw the little clip from from next week or next week's episode or, or a future episode where they showed Jack's eyes looking at Nikki, who is in the water. And his, like the way that he kind of squinted at Nikki and this idea of, um, I got to think, utter disappointment um, that you would hurt or perhaps even kill other people in order to escape. I, I, I think that it's reasonable that he was asked to keep his mouth shut, but that doesn't mean that he can like live with this, you know? with what Nikki has done here. Yep. Yep. That makes the Clark Kent moniker. Maybe that's even something that uh, 
if they did have a moment before Nikki lit out, um, that might be something that if Jack was quick-witted enough, would have would have labeled him. Because there's a certain school of thought on on Clark Kent that it it it's outlined in Kill Bill Two. Basically says something to the effect of Clark Kent is Superman's like it's like he's making fun of us by making Clark Kent. It's like instead of just making a disguise, he's making this guy that's sort of a a doofus to be like, well, this is what I think human beings are. You know what I mean? Okay. And and so it's like a it's almost like Superman's I don't know joke on us. You know what I mean? So it it by if you were if you were considering yourself or or your brother considered you superman and then you subscribe to that idea that that clark ken is just this asshole <laughs> that, that you made up hmm. then if you called somebody clark ken it would be an insult you know what i mean to, oh. to it, in that small little microcosm of of uh pseudonyms that's interesting i i i think that that that's really cool and i didn't know that um the way that i took clark ken and even in the where i thought you might be going with that is that he is hiding in plain sight and the idea that he's never really disappeared or even tried to disguise himself. Like, for God's sake, he's still using his real name. We saw him getting mail under Nicholas Pearson. Yeah. Like, if you even looked for Nicholas Pearson for even a second, you could have found him. In this day and age of internet access and everything, he's using his real name. So, I mean, really, truly... He's hiding in plain sight. And he's in Pennsylvania. They lived in Philly. He's in Pennsylvania as well. I mean, he's always been right there. And and I think, you know, to that end, that feels very Clark Kent-ish, you know. And that that actually dovetails with with my idea in that in that Clark Kent is a super pale, washed out shadow of Superman. Hmm. I always just thought he was a handsome guy in glasses. Well, that's a, that's a nicer way to look at it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so Kevin and Zoe, I'm happy with their storyline. I'm glad they didn't stretch out this fight any longer than they had to. I'm glad they even told it in this retrospective kind of way where we didn't actually kind of live through every moment of this fight. Right. It didn't feel like it was like grating on me for seven freaking weeks of real life where I had to like come back and they're still bitching at each other. I would have hated that. So... What an interesting way to have like a really contentious argument and an ongoing fight that you can feel the longevity of the seven weeks, but like wrap that shit up in about a 20 minute story. Do you feel the same way about the ongoing and it was a seven week argument between Beth and Randall? Let's move on to Beth and Randall. Okay, so when I'm saying ratcheting up the intensity, like we went from this kind of easygoing story with Kate to this, you know, more intense but still wrapped up story of Kevin, I do feel like the intensity of Randall and Beth and everything that they're going through feels really intense. I mean, this is this is like for all the marbles, kids, you know, about what's going to happen with these two. Picking up in the morning after fight, I felt like we were just like right back there with all the stress. I appreciated that, you know, Beth was trying to keep the kids from being involved. And um, I guess, you know, there's so much a part of me that is just disappointed in Randall in the way that he handled it. I'm not disappointed that he decided to continue to run. 
I'm disheartened that he couldn't find a way with Beth to say compromise how he was going to handle the running. Basically admit that the family did have larger needs at this point in time, but find some common ground with Beth that it was like, we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. We have run a campaign for this long and we have done a lot of the work already. So how can I maybe cut back my schedule or maybe use other techniques, mailers, or emails or, I don't know, something where he didn't necessarily have to be in person or something. I really feel like that did not exactly ring true to this couple. And the way that he just cut her off and was like, I'm still running. I just, uh, I, I don't know. Well, And it, then it gets kind of a lot worse before it gets yeah. any any better between the two. I mean, he, if you pay attention to, to the subsequent weeks that they outline, um, he does graduate from the couch back to to his bed but um there's still a lot of coldness in their dealings between the two of them and i definitely felt like the part where um he decided to turn on beth and make it about her her insecurities about her own job is why she doesn't want him to be happy like that is some convoluted thinking, Randall. I mean, that is not what went down. And you were standing in the kitchen when both Deja and Tess came down with various, very serious issues that you needed to handle. And that was a low point, but and it I was mean, wrong. I mean, it, that's not even where it was coming from. You know, no, I mean, it's just the, bad. The timing of it was if if you're listening and need need the review, it was <laughs> uh, Councilman Saul keeps ragging on his fucking family and every yeah. chance he gets in church now on the radio and mm -hmm. you come home and you're like hey uh that guy's still giving me shit about my family do you think we could go to church publicly just you know and i mean i i don't really blame beth's point of view for being like well we haven't actually sorted anything out yet so i can't really do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a big ask, especially in the middle of an argument. I mean, what are you trying to pull here for an argument over the thing she doesn't want you to be doing? Like you're like actively asking her to come and front, right? In yeah. a situation where like she doesn't want you to be a part of this anymore. It's a huge ask. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's okay to want to have tension between them. It's okay to have conflict. Of course, everybody does. But I think that both characters should have stayed more true to themselves. And on Twitter, a lot of people were turning on Beth in this situation, which I found really surprising. I thought that although Randall is certainly a beloved character, I didn't really see anything in what Beth was saying where she really pulled some low blow bullshit. Did you, I mean, did I miss anything where she said something that was like really off mark or, or whatever? Hmm. So what you're saying is people were, were wanting her to just sort of blind devotion. Yeah. Uh, and that she was being a bitch for like digging her heels in or for in any way being angry at him for the way he was well, handling they, they things. They didn't play it up enough but they i mean having to address the three main characters in three separate plot lines didn't leave a lot of time for extra shit but they do get a mention in there about how tess is still really having a hard time and not right doing anything more than just like coming home going to her room coming back downstairs to eat and that kind of stuff you know just like 
very little test. They can't get anything out of test. This is an ongoing problem that wasn't solved by the end of this episode. Not even, no, I mean, not these problems don't get solved like this. Right. Well, right. It's going to be an teenage ongoing. Teenage girl stuff doesn't yeah. get solved quite like that. No. And it's going to be an ongoing challenge. But it was unaddressed for even, sure. you know, in Correct. this whole episode. Yeah. So, but so I don't, so to me though, I don't think Beth deserves the heat. And I'm not saying that Randall necessarily deserves all the heat, but it was weird to see people who, I mean, I thought for the most part, Beth and Randall had equally been getting a lot of love on Twitter. And so to suddenly see people be like, Beth's a fucking bitch and blah, blah, blah. I was like, hey, whoa. I mean, they're having a disagreement here, but damn. That's pretty highfalutin in the episode where Kate sells the Star Wars. <laughs> Guys. Right. I mean, shit. If someone's handing out bitch ribbons, <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure you're putting it on the uh, wrong girl. Let's call a recount. <laughs> Jesus. Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of recount, did you expect the election to flow the way it did? And how do you think that the small moments like the diner reverend moment or the arrest record for Saul what did you think about how they sort of unraveled the campaign for Mr. Saul? Randall wanted to do good for people and he wanted to keep his soul intact while he did it. So he didn't release the the arrest record. The There's some chance that the reverend knew what he was talking about just because he seems like a connected guy. You know what I mean? Um, but he didn't, maybe he didn't know. He just knew that there was something underhanded, perhaps that Randall could have pulled and he didn't. So the moment where the Reverend then gives a, not exactly an endorsement of Randall, but more or less just, just like saying, well, there's no reason you shouldn't vote for him. You know what I mean? Which is way above anything else that he had gotten endorsement wise from other minor leaders in the community. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and I that probably swung it. That that was probably the biggest biggest deal. I mean, he'd done all of his his pavement pounding in the um, what was it Korean part of town, and but he still needed the black part of town, and this was that was how he got it. The Reverend and the Pie. That was so key. And his moment of not truly campaigning, but just a heartfelt explanation for why he was really there. And that was what he was trying to do that night that he was on the stage in the debate and he, you know, stepped from out from behind the podium and sat down on the steps. But all of that came off so cliche to me, you know, the whole like, um, let's take Rob and, you know, his such I, I really hated that because it's just what every debate turns into. I really felt like this was like he had nothing to really gain. He was, I mean, he was walking out a dejected guy without his blueberry pie and he was just talking to the reverend, just talking like a normal person. You're kind of on thin ice with your wife anyway. And if you come home without that pie, oh, God. I mean, you, you got to have the pie, man. You got to have the pie. Go anywhere and until you find a pie. I, I think you should guys. I, you know what? You should always have pie for your wife. Always. <laughs> You can't really go wrong. It was I mean, a debate in our house this evening. Is and, the wife uh, ever going to say, pie, get the fuck out of here? <laughs> I don't think so. So, I mean, I yeah, I just really, 
felt like that was his moment of being just honest. And I have to say this whole podcast season, I have been saying that he was not going to win. And frankly, I kind of felt like he shouldn't win. I felt like there should have been a bump in the road. Like he should have lost But then something wonky happens and like Saul has like a heart attack and then by some sort of wacky default, he actually does get the position. But it felt like too easy in a strange way. Like, of course, Randall won. I mean, that was so gimme. Well, there's all that talk about. Um, good man versus great man, and then is what is his life? What's your opinion, bub? What's is his life opinion? on a like a plan, or is he just a like a regular person? It kind of leans to, like toward he's he's uh his life is following some sort of set plan. The way that he he did this, the good man versus great man. I really I, I do I think I understand what he's talking about there. Thanks to um. The endless scrutiny historical figures uh, have been receiving in our increasing politically correct environment. You learn different things about people that were, quote unquote, great men, right? That make you question whether or not they were actually on like a day to day basis, good men. Yes. And And what it even really means to be a great man. I think our friend over at, at Pop Culture Review did a great job on Twitter explaining it. And basically the idea that, you know, a great man is this one moment in time, but a good man is like trying to live his best life every day. That's a very concise, succinct way of of expressing it. But but I think that that's a really good way to explain it. It's the sprint versus the marathon. It's the day in and day out versus like that one grand gesture. See, and so Randall appeared to be kind of sacrificing a few weeks of being a being a good man at, for for a, a stab for a for an attempt at being a great man and he didn't see the folly in that until the very last couple couple days there when he they showed him not answering Jaywan on the phone and, and and sleeping in and visiting with his daughters and watching fuller house and all that stuff right John, I, John Stamos show. I right? loved that moment. I loved that. Uh, but so, yeah, it was you need a string of of good man in order to to achieve great man. But I think that's a naive take. I think there are people that are regarded as great men that if you met them day to day, to day you'd see like, actually, you know, they yell at the waiter and they kick the dog or whatever. They uh, sleep with their slaves. All that, all that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Frown, eyebrow raising. Frown. Man. Are you being your best, you, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson? Are <laughs> you? Yeah, exactly. So you know, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I I just do you think he should have won the election? Do you or do you think there should have been like a more twisty way that he ended up? in a a position of influence. Maybe it didn't work out that he became the councilman, but maybe he found some other way to still be an influencer. And basically, see, a little bit to me, this is where I'm getting the rub. Winning the election feels like a moment of a great man, right? Yeah. Feels like that political great anyway. moment in yeah. time, right? Versus the day-to-day struggle of the good man. And if we're if it's more important to be the good man and it's harder to be the good man, should he have won the council seat 
and be launched into this spotlight to potentially be this great man? Or should he have actually done the hard work day to day and found another way? Like maybe he, you know, became the director, whatever, of the board at the YMCA-ish, you know, their their local little the rec, rec center. center. And and worked from like the ground up in that way. Like, did we actually just thrust him into the great man position when he was really a great representative of the good man? It would have been more interesting if he had lost and then he had to, as you just said, decide whether or not he still wanted to be the quote-unquote great man, even though he he didn't have the power or the position to just, you know, with a flick of a pen, make things happen. You know what I mean? So that would have been, I think, a, a, a more trying uh, path for him to, to walk down. I mean, getting getting into this election and just bang, now you have power. Um, that's, I mean, I understand there's going to be an adventure along with that. And it's not going to be as easy as he thought. He's going to fail a lot with that, but still he's got the office. He's got the chair. He's got all the stuff that goes with it. Whereas if he had lost that and he still persevered. Mm, don't, isn't that more of a story? I think, I think it would have been uh more, uh, deeply character developing kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think something that when you talk about this is us, the reality is that 99.9% of us aren't the councilmen. We're the hardworking citizen doing good things in our area. That's never going to have a plaque. That's never going to have a name badge. It's never going to have the the little, you know, seat where you're sitting in the big leather chair and everybody knows who you are. It, that's not, that's not how it works. The, this is us of it is that you go out every day, help your elderly neighbor, you go into the community, you volunteer, you help out. To me, that's This Is Us. And so I feel a little like, and I know you can say something like, well, look at Kevin. They made him a celebrity. Was that really This Is Us? Most people are not a celebrity where people, you know, I get it. This is a little bit more grand in, in some of the ways. But I don't know. With Randall, I... I don't personally love that they handled it this way. I think there could have been an incident a year later in which or, you know, that Saul's arrest crap comes out because something happens. Jay Wan puts it uh, public or it gets in the wrong hands or whatever. And Randall did the right thing and didn't turn it out to everybody. But somehow it comes out and he gets disgraced and he goes away. And then Randall falls into the position like there's like a million ways I could rewrite this a million ways. Now, one of the comments on Twitter that I felt struck me really hard was Randall won the election, but lost his marriage. Mm. What do you get? think of that? Well, I mean, that isn't the way it went down. Um, Beth, in a big reversal, uh, apologizes and... and uh, but is the damage done? Does she know now that there's actually a limit that that it's not like I would do anything if you asked me not to do something, I would not do it D is is the sort of the the puncture in the in the everything so perfect world it's already made it may more be like well if these if these are the terms of the relationship that have been redefined, then 
then I'm going to take advantage of them because if you can do that, I can do this, that, that sort of thing. I got to think that there's things that Beth wants to do in her life that Randall would not be so keen on. And now that there's like some precedent set that it's like, you know what? I've got goals and I've got dreams. And it turns out we don't have to take each other into account so much as we thought we did. So therefore, ba-bam, like dancing school, <laughs> dance school. Mm-hmm. Good call, Mr. Daly. So if you guys remember the end of Flash that they were kept showing us, Beth was like some sort of you know, fame, you know, she has that like Debbie Allen, you know, position going on at the dance school. And when it, we're all trying to go like, how the frick did she get from point A to point B? I believe that this argument and this little fork in the road of like, I get to pursue my dreams and my happiness, regardless of how this actually works out for us as a couple, for us as a family, if you agree or don't agree, I think we're seeing that happening right now. The the little road's been belayed here. So I'm super interested. I think this is going to be an exciting story moving forward. I think that this started off with like a bang coming back. I'm glad that they addressed some of this stuff like real quick. Like like we know, at least in the in the eclipse, like they, the the big three are gonna go see Nikki, and I hope that's gonna happen like next weekish. It's like bam, we the election's over. That like put it to freaking bed already, you know, done, yeah. done, done. Some of these things that have been outstanding is like and okay, don't go back to Deja. Just leave that shit alone. <laughs> right. Oh my god! If next week it's like Deja wants to have, uh, you know, Valentine's Day with her mom, it's gonna be like, Wah! I'm with you so hard. Like I'm not interested. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! But like more test stuff, more yes. Nikki stuff, yes. more Kevin stuff. More. I mean, I mean, I think there's Kate a lot should going- probably devote herself to getting those those guys back i mean that should be her <laughs> whole story that's at the this rest point. from here yeah. till may is just kate talking to gabe every week <laughs> yeah just wear him down kate i wear him down. really love that i really love that well thanks you guys so much for listening Come and listen to some of our other stuff. We just put out a you, the entire season, you podcast all in one. We're working on our Mrs. Maisel and we have the Orville written reviews by Paul and lots of good stuff coming out on so many shows.com and hit us up on Twitter daily review or tweet to Caroline or at Paul V daily. If you don't know you, you need to go check it out on Netflix. It is a show that began on Lifetime that is way better than anything you would have ever thought Lifetime would have ever made. You're making Meredith Baxter Bernie cry. And Shannon Doherty too. <laughs> but um, this is a great show. It's a great thriller. And please do not forget to check out our John Stamos keychains that we are going to be offering. By on... happy coincidence, John Stamos is in you. Oh my God, Paul, maybe it's really a John Stamos keychain that both represents our love of you and of how to fix a breakup situation. I love it. Way to tie it together. Yep. Totally serendipitous. Love it. Bye, you guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad.
You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.